Well, as you know, <clears throat> Easter is going to be coming up here in a couple weeks, and uh, and so we'll be having our special e Easter service. But along with that, um, <clears throat> we have our uh, Easter breakfast. And if you weren't here on Sunday and not able to get signed up, um, I put an official, unofficial sheet of paper in the back um, because Becky took the list, Pastor Becky took the list, and so if you want to sign up for it, um, do that and then just uh, put the number that will be attending and that'll be helpful for, uh, for preparation. So, we're continuing our study tonight and we're um, our study of grace, the power of the gospel. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about you are what you, what you think. You know, and so um, what we are today is a direct result of what we thought and what we said yesterday. And so our, our thought life, what we think, is so very important um, because if we if we think negatively, we're going to live neg negatively. If we think positively, uh, we're going we're to think positive. The scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so our thoughts are extremely important. And so <clears throat> tonight, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them open to Romans, the seventh chapter. And uh, in Romans, the seventh chapter, it's kind of a, uh, for a lot of people, it's, is a confusing chapter. Um, basically, this portion of Scripture, there's mainly three lines of thought uh, concerning what Paul is really instructing us concerning this. Um, the one is, um, what in the world does this mean? In other words, they don't have any kind of an idea. The second is frustration is normal in the Christian life, because Paul talks about the frustration here. And the third is Paul is describing himself before being born again. And so before I get started reading it, let me just say this, that all three of them are wrong. And so we're going to... Uh, um, <clears throat> we're going to straighten you out tonight. Praise the Lord. And so we're going to start in Romans, the seventh, seventh chapter. Better get into the seventh chapter, the 15th verse. And it says, for what am I doing? Now, and that's where we get the idea of just being frustrated and Paul's frustrated and so on and so forth. But it says, what am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. You know, and I think all of us, at one point or another, we can say, yeah, I, I can identify with that. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present in me, but how to perform 
what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, and one who wills, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then when the mind, so with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And so what Paul is really talking about here, and he, he describes it at the very end, he's talking about the struggle in our mind. You know, it isn't, you know, when I, when I first got saved, you know, we, we talked about the new man. And oftentimes we talked about much of the teaching that we got was that there's the old man and the, no, the, the new man. And there's this constant struggle, there's co this constant battle within us between the old nature and the new nature. Well, the problem with that is the Bible tells us that we are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And so if, all, if I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus, if old things have passed away and all things have become new, my old nature is gone. I don't have that old nature. I have a new nature. I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. And so the struggle then is for me to come to the realization of who I am in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about this struggle and he says, who's going to set me free from this? And then in the last part of the verse, he says, or chapter, he says, I thank God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. We've been set free from the struggle through Christ Jesus, our Lord, because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, on Sunday morning, the last four weeks, we've been talking about um, the, the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, as a charismatic Pentecostal church, I think so often when we begin to talk about the working of the Holy Spirit, we immediately talk about um, the manifestations of healing, of deliverance, uh, praying in tongues. And all those things are extremely important. You know, I've experienced and I do all those things. You know, Apostle Paul says, I pray in tongues more than y'all. But you know, <clears throat> we limit the Holy Spirit when we only identify the Holy Spirit with these manifestations. Uh, T.L. Osborne made this statement. He says, Christianity without the supernatural is just simply another man's philosophy. We also talked about the fact that 
We spend so much time looking for the spectacular that we miss the supernatural. What I mean by that is when you see somebody healed, that's spectacular. You know, uh, when you cast a demon out of somebody, that's spectacular. You know, I say, you know, my problem with deliverance is I like it. You know, because you see the power of God and you see the power of the enemy in full force. And God always wins. You know, and so the problem is I kind of like it. And I shouldn't. But I kind of do. But, but I mean, there, there's a lot of spectacular in the church. But we can get so caught up in the spectacular that we miss supernatural. You know, there's a period of time where uh, in the church, for there to be a flow in the move of the Spirit, there was, there was a physical manifestation that we went through. <laughs> some of you are going to think I'm bonkers, but <clears throat> we went through some different moves of the Spirit. There was the move where at a period of time there was, there was laughter. You'd get into a service and the Spirit of God would move and people would be rolling on the floor. Hank remembers it. You know, he was probably one of those laying under the chair. I'm not sure. You know, but it, but it would, would get, you know, it would be laughter. And then there was a period of time where there was, you know, the Spirit of God would move and people would take off running and they'd, they'd, they'd do some laps around the, the, the building. And, you know, but there were all these different things and they were, they were in a sense spectacular. But what happens is we can get so programmed to those things that if we don't see that, we think that there isn't the move of the Spirit. We think the Holy Ghost isn't showing up. Well, the Holy Spirit is supernatural. He's always supernatural. But it isn't always spectacular. And so we don't, we don't want to be in that. And so here, it's the working of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Do you realize, for you to live the holy life is supernatural. Because we can't do it in our own strength and ability. We're relying upon, relying upon the Holy Spirit. And so that's supernatural. The, the most fantastic, supernatural, spectacular experience that you're ever going to experience is the moment that you were born again. And if you, were, if you were like me, when you got born again, there weren't any goosebumps. There wasn't any, 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 anything wild going on. It was just... You knew something that you didn't know before. You knew that you knew that you knew that you were born again, that you were going to heaven. So that's, that's supernatural. And so God wants to move in our lives in a supernatural way. And so what he's talking about here is the, is the move of the Spirit in our life. You know, it's interesting in the seventh chapter, it mentions the Spirit one time. And it's back in, uh, in verse 6. But now we, are, we have been delivered from the law, having died that we were held by, died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not the oldness of the letter. Only time the Spirit is mentioned in the, in the seventh chapter of Romans. But you know what? Then we get down into the 8th chapter, and that in the 8th chapter, he begins to talk about 
our salvation. And he begins to talk about, you know, who we are in Christ Jesus. And the Spirit is mentioned 21 times in chapter 21. I mean, in, in, in chapter 8. Because in chapter 8, it's mentioned, did I say 21 times it's mentioned? But that's because that's talking about who we are in our new man. Old things have passed away. All things are new. And so really what it shows, it shows how in chapter 7, without the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's an absolute impossibility to live a holy life. You know, we may not like to admit it at times, but we are, we are totally dependent upon the Holy Ghost. We want to live a holy life. We want to live a righteous life. We want to live a victorious life. It's impossible to do that without the Spirit. And uh, <clears throat> now, now, now let me make a distinction here because oftentimes as Charismatics, as Pentecostals, we've offended people because we've, you know, they're, they're born again, but we'll say, well, do you have the Spirit? And we're, we're thinking along the lines of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they don't have that. And so we say, well, you don't have the Spirit. Well, you can't be born again without the Spirit of God. And so every born-again believer, whether they have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit or not, have the Spirit of God. They're the home of the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of them. And so <clears throat> that's why oftentimes we see people that don't, encouraged, or maybe they're even totally anti the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you look at their life and they live a very righteous, holy life. It's because they've allowed the Spirit of God to live on the inside of them, to work on the inside of them. You know, so what that tells you and I, when we have the power of God, working in our lives, how much more victorious we ought to be living than those that have, that have simply experienced um, the salvation experience. Because when we have the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, remember what it says in Romans 1.8, or excuse me, in Acts 1.8. It says, ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you not that you can pray in tongues, although you pray in tongues. Not so that you can lay hands on the sick, though you lay hands on the sick. But that you might be his witness, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And you know, our number one witness is not the words that we speak. You know, I remember <clears throat> uh, Pastor Jeff was the first one that I ever heard make the statement. He said, when we were leaving after he'd preached one Sunday morning, he says, go out and witness everywhere you go, but use words only if you have to. What he is saying is, allow your life to be a living testimony of the goodness of God. And when we do that, then we're going to be able to add words to it. But how are we able to do that? We do that by the, by the Spirit of God. Um, the Christian life, Roman numeral three, the Christian life isn't a changed life. It's an exchanged life. You see, that's where we need to go back to Romans 7 and then go into Romans 8. Because it doesn't talk about our life being changed. 
It's an exchange life. We exchanged death for life. We exchanged bondage for freedom. And it's dependent upon to the extent that we're willing to receive what the Word of God has to say about us. To the extent that I'm willing to declare that I am who the Bible says that I am. And so what does it come down to? It comes down to what I'm thinking. You know, a lot of times what we do is we may say one thing, but we're thinking something else. We don't really believe it. We need to, we, you know, and that's where, that's where the renewing of the mind comes in. Romans 12, 2 says that we, we're to renew our minds by the Word of God. And what it happens is a lot of times what we'll do is we'll, we'll come into, we'll come into agreement with the Word because we believe that the Word is true. But we haven't changed our thinking process. And so what happens is we, we say one thing, but we're really, we're really believing another. It's kind of like the man that brought his son to Jesus. And Jesus was just coming off the Mount of Transfiguration. And he brought um, his son to Jesus. And he says, uh, can you help me out? Can you touch my son? For I brought him to, your, to the disciples and they couldn't do anything. And Jesus was frustrated with the disciples because they were basing what they were doing on what they saw rather than what Jesus had told them. And Jesus said an interesting thing to this man. He says, all things are possible to him that believeth. King James Version, that's where I learned it. And he, he responded and he says, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Now in the natural, that doesn't make any sense. But if you've ever been there, it makes total sense. Because I've been there. I've been there where, I've, where I'm believing for something but my mind is, is combating me all the way. And that's where we have to renew our minds by the Word of God. And, and when that battle takes place, we combat it with the Word of God. We don't combat it with just simply thinking positive. We combat it with the Word of God. That's, that's the difference between you know, positive thinking and uh, uh, positive believing. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of a better term, but I couldn't think of one there. You know, <clears throat> but you know, positive thinking is just thinking positive. Well, we're to think positive, but our positive thinking is to be based on something. It's to be based on what the Word of God says. And so, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, not just because I'm trying to say something positive. Positive. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed because it's based upon the truth and the reality of the Word of God that says that by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. And so it's not about my thinking. And so if my thinking isn't lining up with the Word, then my thinking has to change. And uh, that's where the process comes in. You know, the moment that you're born again, you're as born again as you're ever going to get. Your, your spirit man the man on the inside of you, you are, in your spirit man, you are wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost. Uh, you are, uh, you have the blessings, the graces of God have been imparted into your life. But you're, that's only a third of you. You're a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. 
The problem is our physical body still wants to do what our physical body has always done, which is please itself according to the sense realm. That means I want to do what I see that I like. I want to, what I hear, what I feel, what I smell. That's, that's our sense realm. And <clears throat> we grew up being dominated by our sense realm. And so our sense realm trained our mind as to how we think about things. You know, uh, I love homemade noodles and chicken on mashed potatoes. My sense realm has trained me that when we're having homemade noodles and chicken on mashed potatoes, I'm not even at the table yet, and I'm prepared for my second helping. Because that's what my sense realm wants. So did I. Actually, I settled for one serving last night because there was peach pie that was coming afterwards. It wasn't in town. It's out of town. It's, it's excuse. Pastor Becky didn't make them. Oh, they were good. They were good. But, but see, that, that's our, our, our sense realm has trained our mind. And that's why the Bible says that we have to renew our minds. Now, that's an area... I really don't want to be renewed, and so I haven't been at, at this point yet. You know, but, but there, there, there's areas of our life where our sense realm has trained us to think a certain way. You sneeze. Oh, there it is. Flu season. Every year, I get the flu. It's that time of year. We're going to get the flu. Sure enough, we're going to get the flu. And you know what happens? You get the flu. Why? Because you, you received what you thought because your sense realm had trained you to think a certain way. But see, the way that we combat that is, no, 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 no. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed, I am redeemed from the flu. It is not going to, it tormented me in the past. The past is the past. It's not going to happen in my life anymore. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I declare it to be so. And the redeemed of the Lord do not suffer with flu. And so flu, there's no place in me for you. So just take a hike. But see, we've got we've to train it. And that's just one little area. But that's how we've been trained in all areas. You know, we, 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 we see the checkbook, we panic. Because through our sense realm, because of fear and everything else, our thought pattern has been trained to think that way rather than, my God is going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I don't care what I see right now. I'm going to do what is expected and what I need to do. But God is going to provide me with the increase in Jesus' name. So we've got to, we've got to change the way that we, we see things. We've got to change the way that we, we think. And that's where the mind is concerned. But where our spirit man is concerned, where the life that's available to us is concerned, we need to realize that I'm not, I'm not changing my spirit man to follow after God. I exchanged that. My spirit man 
already wants to follow God. And that's where when I, when I learn to understand that I am by and large a spirit man controlled by the Holy Ghost because I yield to him, that exchange is manifest in my life. When the exchange isn't manifest in my life is when I revert back and I allow my mind through the flesh to dictate to me what I'm going to do. And so there is the process of change, but it's the mind. It's not our spirit. Our spirit is as godly and as holy as it's ever going to be. We have all the blessings. Well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get the blessings of God. You've got the blessings of God. Our problem is, is we don't know what's been made available to us. And so we're trying to obtain something that we already have. You know, the prison doors are open. We just need to walk through. But yet, we still have the assumption that the chains are still holding us back. When we've been released, we've been loosed from those changed. Um, it's in your notes. Just let Jesus start living through you. Now that, that seems like kind of a weird statement. But we are the body of Christ. Amen. And so we are Jesus' expression here in the earth. And so how is he going to express himself? He's going to do it as we allow him to, lead, to, to live through us, to express himself through us. Not enough Christians have, every ex, have ever experienced uh, the consistent life of Jesus living through them. You know, <clears throat> if we did a survey, and we're not going to do a survey, if you did a survey, you would, you would find more Christians living a life of struggle than living a life of victory. Do you know why that is? It's because for most Christians, that's what they've been told. They've been told that living for God is difficult. Living for God is a struggle. And it's a struggle because we allow our minds to continue to dictate to us where victory lies and where it doesn't lie. We need to choose to accept what Jesus has done in and through us. We're busy doing our own thing, living our own lives in our own power. And then we wonder why we get the results that we get. We get the results because we're living our lives in our own power, doing our own thing, and then that's what, we, that's what we reap. In our flesh, our natural human state, we can't live the perfect life. You know, and I know people want to throw things at me when I say this, but within each and every one of us, there is the potential of living the perfect life. But that's because of the Spirit. That's if we, when we learn to follow our spirit continuously, we'll live the perfect, victorious life. Well, the problem is, is our mind and our flesh continue to be 
the struggle that we encounter. But that's why <clears throat> the renewing of the mind, where being born again was a <clears throat> instantaneous experience that we encountered the moment that we prayed and received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the renewing of the mind doesn't work that way. The renewing of the mind is a, is a process. It's something that we will continue to do until either we start pushing up daisies or Jesus comes back and takes us all to be, to be home with him. We will continue to grow. <clears throat> now, now, the exciting thing about that is our Christian life will never be boring because there will always be something more to us to, for us to experience, to, to, to enjoy in our walk with God, to see about God that we've, never, that we've never seen before. You know, I, I can still remember when I got a hold of the Word of Faith message. Well, I can remember when I got born again, when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can remember when I, when I got a hold of the, uh, the Word of Faith message. I was, I was sitting in a little Assemblies of God's Church down in Arnold, Missouri. And uh, uh, this um, country boy from Missouri, former highway patrolman who got saved, got up and started to, to share. And he's preaching on the seed and the sower. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? I'm already going to school three nights a week. I'm going to have to go to cell group, have to do outreach ministry and in our church service. Some of you complain about a long church service. <laughs> you don't know what a long church service is. Our Sunday morning services, well, let me tell you how long it was. The clocks, the time changed. And we turned our clock the wrong direction. And so we got to church two hours late. And we were still there for 45 minutes of the message. So that, that tells you something about how our, our Sundays went. You know, so, so, so I'm sitting here, and there, here's this country boy from, from Missouri that gets up, and he starts sharing. He's talking about the seed and the sower. It changed my life. Because by the time he was, he was done, I could hardly contain myself. I had to literally sit on my hands because I wanted to jump up and yell and say, why hasn't somebody told me this? I mean, I'm in Bible school and I'm not hearing any of this stuff. You know, when I lived in Ankeny, somebody gave me Brother Hagen's, it's different colors now, but back then it was Brother Hagen's, I think it was, I think it was his blue book on faith. Maybe it was a red book. It was either red or blue. And I started reading it and I thought, this is the most boring thing that I've ever read in my entire life. All this guy does is repeat the same stories over and over and over again. And so I, I, I went to that meeting that night and I got home from that meeting because he made reference to Brother Hagen and I knew that I had that book. Somebody had given it to me. I went and pulled it out. It was the most exciting thing that I had ever read in my entire life. My life changed. You know, a few years ago, we got a hold of uh, of the grace message that that uh, Derek, uh, Joseph Prince and 
Creflo Dollar and Andrew Womack, what they're preaching. And it was like getting born again again because it was, it was so exciting. I didn't have to forsake what I'd already learned because it fit right in with what Brother Hagin had taught. I was, it, was, it was wonderful. But let me tell you something. It's not supposed to stop when I turn 70. If I live to be 98 like my mom, I'm believing in my 98th year, I'm going to have a revelation of Jesus that I've never seen before. You know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the elders and how they, they gather around the throne. And every time they come around the throne, they look up at God and they fall down on their face and they cry out, Holy, holy, holy art thou, O God Almighty, worthy to be praised, honored, and gloried. And I heard a preacher say this one time, and I believe it to be true. He says the reason they do that is every time they come around and they look at God, they see a, God, a sight of God that they've never seen before. Do you realize that we're going to spend eternity seeing sides of God that we've never seen before? Man, I tell you, it just makes you want to die. But it, it's, it's the truth. You know, I, I, think it was, uh, I think it was Charles Capps. It was either he or Norville Hayes, I don't remember which one. But they were, they were talking about how faith is like a diamond. And, he's, and they said, he said, a, a diamond is multifaceted. And you can take a diamond and you can look at it, but if you turn it just a little bit, you see another facet of that diamond. There, there's no diamond that's, that's exactly alike because of the cuts and, and everything else, but they're, they're multifaceted. And every time you turn it, you see another facet of that diamond that you've, you've never seen before. And that's how God is. And that's how the Word of God is. That every time we turn that page, we see a facet, we see a, a side of God that we've never seen before. Just think about it. We're going to spend eternity seeing those things. But see, that's why we've got to always continue to be teachable and open. To be teachable and open doesn't mean to be naive. There are people that have been teachable and, and open and they've been led astray. But the reason that they were led astray was they didn't base their openness and teachableness upon the Word of God. You know, and so that's why I, I, I say it here, I say it when I'm preaching, wherever I'm preaching, if it's in the prisons or whatever. Don't, don't take my word for it. Again, that's why you have your notes. You can go take those notes and you can check out everything that I'm saying. If, if what I'm saying cannot be founded upon the Word of God, then you don't want anything to do with it. It's got to be based on the Word of God. And so... Uh, I made reference to it earlier, Proverbs 23, 7. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why our thought life is so important. That's why what we think is so very important because it's going to, it's going to lead us where we're going to go. <clears throat> you know, every year I, I, you know, I mean, I read the same ones unless I find a new one that I want to read, but I have several 
different devotionals uh, that I rotate, that I read. I got one by Copeland and one by Andrew Womack, one by Joseph Prince, one by uh, Mark Brzee. And, and this year, I'm going through once again um, faith food uh, from Brother Hagen. And so the last four days of faith food has been dealing with, um, well, how Brother Hagen puts it, is writing your own ticket with God. And, and the process that's involved is <clears throat> it, it's, it, it's dealing with what we think, what we say, our actions. I, I remember the four steps. Obviously, I spent a lot of time meditating on it, but, but at least those three, I know they were there. But it, it's, it's, as, it's as you think, it's as what you say, um, and, and then um, actions. And I, I don't remember what the fourth one was. It might have been first in there someplace. But anyway, he uses the example you know, of, of the prodigal son. Now, the prodigal son had walked away from his father, walked away from the good life, and uh, lost everything that he had, and he was working in a, amongst the swine, and didn't have enough to eat, and he was thinking, if, if I could only eat the pods that the pigs are eating, I'd be so happy, but nobody gives me anything. But then it says, <clears throat> but then he came to his senses. That's what it says in the New American Standard, and I like that translation of it. And, it came, and he came to his senses, and he said within himself, my father's servants have more than enough. And here I am, starving. I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to say to my father, I'm no longer worthy to be considered your son. Treat me as one of your servants. But he didn't stop there. He got up. He went to his father. And of course, you know the story, how uh, the father saw him coming from a distance and recognized that it was his son because obviously he had been looking for him. And he ran to his son and he embraced his son. The son could have said, guess we made it past that one. But no, he said, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be considered your son. Just treat me as one of your servants. And the father says, this is Schroeder's paraphrase, no, we'll have none of that. Put a ring on his finger, put a robe on his back, put sandals on his, on his feet. The son of mine who was dead has been found. He was dead and now he's alive. Let's celebrate, let's have a party. The son of mine has come home. But the, the thing that we, we see is he began to change what he thought. What changed what he thought? Because he remembered the life back home. You see, we need to remember what the Word of God says about us. And when we remember what the Word of God says about us, it changes our thinking. And when it begins to change our thinking, it leads to action. James says, works or faith without works. Again, the New American Standard says, faith without corresponding action is dead. I think I might have mentioned this on Sunday. The thing that I've learned about faith is when faith rises up, it demands an action. When I was born again in the basement of Vern Lewis's house and they shared the word of God with me, faith rose up. 
And when faith rose up, it demanded an action on my part. You know, that's how it is when we get a hold of the Word of God concerning healing. When we get a hold of the Word of God concerning healing and somebody begins to share with us the struggle that they're going through with sickness and disease, there's something on the inside of us that compels us to ask them if we can pray for them. Why? Because faith compels us. Because our thinking has been changed. We no longer think, well, you just never know about God. You might just have to struggle with this. No, our thinking process changes. That's not right. Because that's been paid for through the blood and the suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And therefore, sickness and disease has to flee. It has to leave that body in Jesus' name. But you know what? That doesn't happen just because we read a passage one time. That happens when we take the Word of God and we begin to meditate upon the Word of God and it changes the way we see things. It changes the image. Because whether we like it or not, <clears throat> uh, our life is based on imagery. What we see with our mind. Our mind paints pictures. What we need to do is we need to structure our pictures. Now, maybe I'm weird. That's, 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 how, that's how my mind works. I mean, I can lay in bed, and if I'm, if I'm building something, you know, we, we were remodeling our house, and, and every night, you know, I was going through what needed to be done, and finally one night I told Becky, I said, we gotta, we got to get this thing done. I'm getting tired of building this thing every night because I couldn't shut my mind off. I, I mean, I... I was, I was driving every nail. I knew where every nail had to go because I had it pictured in my mind. Well, you know what? That's how it needs to be with the things of God. You know, <clears throat> before I ever prayed for the sick, I saw thousands fall out under the power because I prayed for them in my mind. I could see myself doing it. It wasn't a surprise when I had to get up and do it because I'd already done it in my mind. And that's what we need to be doing with the Word of God. You need to begin to see yourself victorious even though you haven't experienced the victory yet. You begin to see yourself. Those things that once were a struggle to you. The Bible says the sin that so easily besets you. You have to begin to see yourself not being overcome by the issue, you need to see yourself overcoming the issue. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for you. That it can't hold you back. It can't keep you down. Because of what Jesus has done. Let's look at Romans, the 8th chapter. Let's look at the 6th verse. Listen to this. For to be carnally, carnally, Carnal means to be fleshly minded. That means to be ruled by the sense realm, by your, your, your senses. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let me tell you what this world needs. You know, I sang it on Sunday, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. But before they're ever going to experience the love, they've got to have some peace. We have, a, we have a world that we live in that is full of turmoil. 
You can find any individual and you can sit down with them for more than 15 minutes. And what they will share with you, if you allow it to, will bring turmoil into your life. Because their lack of peace will rub off on you. So that's why we've got to be full of peace. And, and that peace that the Bible talks about, the peace that surpasses understanding. Think about that. Peace that surpasses understanding. Why, what, does, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, when you get the Word of God, when we get the Word of God on the inside of us and we begin to walk in that peace, you know, circumstances can be falling apart all around us, but we continue in peace. Why? Because I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I know. You know, many of you have heard this, well, most of you have heard all my stories, so if you want to go to sleep, you can go to sleep right now. But, but you know, when I was graduating from, from school, like I said, you know, while I was there, I got a hold of the Word of Faith message. And even though I was going to school three nights a week along with everything else, we purposed, we made a, a, a decision to drive into St. Louis um, every week. And I think it was probably a Thursday night. And this David Crank, who was the preacher that we heard at that full gospel businessmen's meeting, he has an, is in a basement of some mall. He rented a little space, and and he'd get up there and and he'd get up there and teach. And so every week, even though I was going to Bible school, we would go in so that we could hear this faith preacher. We'd sit there and man, I, you know, even though I'm in Bible, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes, and struggling trying to keep up, taking notes and. Finally, this, this, this guy I was with, you know, who took me to that meeting in the first place because he had gotten a hold of it, he says, uh, here, this will make it easier for you. And he had a Kenneth Copeland Bible. And in the Kenneth Copeland Bible, in the front of his Bible, he had all of his notes. And so he says, here, just copy this. And I looked at it, and the guy was preaching straight out of Kenneth Copeland's outline. I mean, every point was right out of Kenneth Copeland's outline. You know why? Because that's where he got it, from Kenneth Copeland. But see, we got a hold of it. But you know what? We had to make a conscious decision that it was worth it. You know, and, uh, you know, we, 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 we talked about afterwards how, you know, during that two-year peri two period of time, you know, <clears throat> Um, because I was working a full-time job, going to school full-time, and uh, this other stuff that we we're doing, I, I basically lost two years of my kids' lives. Remember, we were up in Wapak, and I don't know if it was Jeff or Nicole, one of them was doing something, and I, I, I said something, and Becky said, back off. They're two years older than what they were when you last showed interest, something like that. I'm sure she didn't say it like that, but <laughs> probably what she meant. You know, but, but the point is, we're busy. But you know what? We've got to realize what's really a priority in our life. You know, for us at that point in time, it was to get established in the Word of God, and it wasn't just simply so that 
we could go into the ministry because we had no idea what we were going to be doing, where we were going to be heading. I just knew we had to have this in our life in order for us to live the victorious life that we wanted to live. And so, anyway, we're getting ready for graduation. We're sitting in this room and, and uh, we're making plans for the graduation. We had this one guy, he was kind of the, the head of our class and I was sitting across from him and, and as he's going through the preparation, he says, you know, we need to do something really special. Because they, they had this, they had this uh, little saying, you know, that Christian Outreach School of Ministry, it was two schools in one. It was the one school of academics, and it was the other school of the Spirit. And what they talked about, the school of the Spirit, was all the struggles that you would go through to, to, to you know, live the Spirit-filled life. And so I'm sitting there, and he, say, he said, you know, we went through so much while we, the, these two years together. We need to do something to really celebrate and acknowledge it. Then he paused, and he looked across the table, and he says, I'll accept you, Schroeder. I don't think you went through anything while you were down here. You know, my thought, first thought was, let me tell you. Oh, I wanted to tell him what I'd gone through. I mean, we had been, had emergency room visits. We had had all kinds of stuff. I, first time in my entire life, uh, adult life, I'd been unemployed and, you know, different things like that. And I said, I, I just wanted to say, huh? Let me tell you. And then I paused and I thought about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My thought was, you know what? I went through the fire and I came out on the other side and I didn't even stink like smoke, like you. Not, not you, but him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, everybody knew everybody. I mean, I remember one day, oh, we won't go into that. We don't have to stink like smoke. Let me tell you something. We will go through stuff. There is fire that we will go through. But we can come out on the other side. And those around us, they may know that we went through something, but at the same time, they'll see that it's victory on the other side. That's what we want to reach. That's what we want to take. And that's where the, the peace that surpasses human understanding. You know, when, you're, when your son has three accidents in a year's period of time spread out over six months, you have to take him in and get him sold up. You know, that's not a very peaceful thing, especially when you feel like part of it was your fault because you didn't act when you should have acted. But you know what? There was still a peace that surpassed human understanding. And so you may see struggles ahead of you. And you think, how in the world am I ever going to make it through it? You're going to make it through it because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And through that joy, there's a peace that rises up on the inside of you that assures you that no matter what the conditions, no matter what the circumstance is, you're going to come through, and you're going to come through not just simply victorious, you're going to come through as 
more than a conqueror and things are going to be not what it was, it's going to be better than ever. Amen. I don't know about you. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't want the good old days. I got a revelation one day. Those good old days weren't that all that good. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. Yeah. And oftentimes what we do is we look back and we think, well, I've, I, I've, I've forsaken so much. I've left so much. I thought about that one day. You know, <clears throat> There was, there was a period of time, Aaron was in Honduras, Jeff was in, in Italy, and the holidays were coming up, and I was driving to Cairo, and I was just, I was just really feeling sad, you know, because it just, just isn't fair, my boys are gone and everything, and they're not here for me, and I, I've, I've given up so much. Be in the ministry, you know, I was, I was trained to be a plumber. I could have been making the big money and just giving up so much. And so I started to think about it and I thought, yeah, I've given up so much. Let's see, I've, I've given up hell, given up sickness, I've given up disease, I've given up poverty, I've given up bondage, I've given up a broken marriage. I've given up rebellious children. Let's get things into perspective. We are so blessed. And you know, when we're going through our most trying times, why did David, when he charged after Goliath, declare, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear. What is this uncircumcised Philistine to me? Because he knew that he had killed the bear. And he'd killed the lion. But he knew that he didn't do it in his own strength. And in the same way that when he was out there watching those sheep, and God was there to assist him, to empower him, to be an overcomer in those circumstances, he knew that God was not going to let him down now. That this uncircumcised Philistine was absolutely nothing because it was nothing in the eyes of God. And that's how it needs to be when we look at those situations in front of us. We look at it as if we're having to go through this. We're not going through it alone. God is on our side. And with God, maybe everybody else is against us. But if God is on our side, we are the majority. And we can make it through anything. But see, that's where it comes back to renewing our minds. Because without renewing our minds, we won't think that way. Without renewing our minds, we'll think negatively. Listen to this in 1 John 4, 17. As he, Jesus is, so are we in this world. Not gonna be because we're not trying to attain that position. It's not a growing into it. There was an exchange that was made. I exchanged my old life for a new life. And in that exchange, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. What did Jesus do to the storm? He spoke to the storm. 
What did Jesus do to the sickness and disease? He spoke to it. What did Jesus do when there was lack of bread? He spoke to it. What did Jesus do when the man brought his demon-possessed uh, son? He spoke to it. And so we have words, we have, and those words change our thinking, and those words come out of our thinking. And that's why we, <laughs> I know as a grace preacher you can't say this, you know, you got to, because that's what you preach as a legalistic preacher. But you got to. You got to have the Word of God on the inside of you, renewing your mind, changing your thinking, changing, changing your, your, your view and your perspective of life. It changes our priorities. It changes everything about us. Still in Romans 8, the ninth verse. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he's not his. So, do you have the Spirit? If you do, you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. So we can allow our spirit to dominate us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Not most things, not some things, all things. So we need to begin to view it that way. Not just simply the things that we've conquered, but all things are new. I'm still struggling with that, but that's new in Jesus Christ. I no longer have that bondage in my life. It may raise its ugly head periodically, but I have the victory in Christ Jesus because of the exchange that took place. And so I walk in that. Then the last passage that we have in there is Romans 12, 1 and 2, and it says, I beseech you there, and, and we've talked about this before, that really he's, he's begging. You know, it's please. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. See, we have to do something with our bodies because our bodies aren't renewed. We, we present them as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conformity is like taking something and putting it in a mold and everything comes out looking exactly the same. That's not what we are. We're not conformed to some mold. We're transformed as a butterfly is transformed from a butterfly to a from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, go get your critters. In Jesus' name. <laughs>